0: Lord, that as we hear Your words, we would also hear the soft, sandaled feet of Jesus walking up and down these aisles, touching every heart, every life, every hurt, every person. That all of our burdens would be shed on Your cross. And that all our sins would be taken with You, Lord. That You would be glorified, lifted high. That shame and guilt, that it would all be handed over to You and that we in turn would receive Your righteousness, Your joy, Your peace. Father, I pray for those that are here that have not yet bowed the knee to You, and have not yet known You as Christ and King, have not yet known that You satiate the appetite, that You satisfy the thirst, that You fill in the empty places. Lord, I pray for them. That they would know You. And that those here that do know You would desire to share You with others. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and Amen. So grateful that you're here. Um, uh, Easter's not far from now. We started a new series um, as a result. Um, and it's called I Share. It's a very simple series. Raymond started it off last week. I'm going to share with you this week and then uh, next week Gus is going to uh, close this series. It's going to be amazing. I'm so grateful for the men of God that God has put in this place. Yes. But I think that today's message is one of the more difficult ones to accept and receive because it has to do with uh, being vulnerable, forgiveness, humility. And so it can be very, very difficult for us to, um, to do that. Uh, but we did just sing, I surrender, did we not? Right? And it's not like I surrender except for that other stuff, except for that other stuff, right? That's not it, right? That's not the surrender we're talking about, right? It's actually like a real surrender that when we say I surrender all, right? Okay. Um, you know, um, one of the things that are like my pet peeves. Um, is when I've lo- and I lose things easily. Do you lose things easily? I lose things like crazy easily. It's terrible. It's like a spiritual gift for me. And so, um, what happens is, is I, is I, I get something and I lose it. Um, just, not, just, this is how bad I am about forgetfulness. I was with a friend, true story, this happened this week. I was with a friend and we were picking up some furniture, right? And we were going to put it in storage. Okay, we were stuck there for two hours because I had totally forgotten to take the key out of the ignition and shut off the lights. And so I, I left the lights on and it I, or rather I'm sorry I turned the key off of the ignition but I didn't take it out and I left the lights on so we were like there for like another hour and a half I think he's like he almost got a divorce because of it I felt so bad for him because it was like he just called his uh his spouse and told her oh uh, we're, we're we're done we picked up the stuff and uh but I'm forgetful like that Right? And so, and then his phone died and I couldn't charge it because the thing. It was a whole mess. My point is, is that I am forgetful. But one of my pet peeves when I forget things, and this is where I was going before I made that wrong turn, um, one of the pet peeves that I have when I, when I lose something is I get annoyed when you're not as passionate about finding what I'm looking for as I am. Are you this way? Right? Like, so right? So you're looking around and it's like, oh, where are those keys? And then everybody's like, look at, stop watching TV! Get up! Start looking around, right? Am I the only way? Am I, am I the only one who's like that, right? Cause it's like, cause when I lose something, number one, I, there's a couple of principles about losing stuff, right? And so here it is. The first principle is this. When you lose something, you are passionate about it to the exclusion of what you have. Here's what I mean by that. What I mean is, when you and I lose something, we focus on what is lost, And forget about what we have. So it would be horrible if I lost my car keys. give you an example. It would be horrible if I lost my car keys and someone came up to me and said, well, at least you got your car. I was like, well, that's not helpful. That's not helpful at all. Or like, you know, right, you know, you're, you're looking and you're like, oh, where are my keys for the house? And, you know, someone comes up to me and says, well, at least you got your house. That doesn't help me. Okay, so like that's annoying, right? You don't focus on the thing that you have; you focus on the thing that you've lost, right? Absolutely. Um, so that's the first principle of that, and and the second principle is uh, that you focus on it to the exclusion of what you have. So you focus on the thing that's lost, and you focus on it to the exclusion of what you have. Now, these two principles are very, very real. And you can experience it with lost keys, lost gloves, lost wallet or pocketbook. We've all experienced that. But here's the thing it's not so much keys and wallets and pocketbooks that God wants us to talk about, it's about lost people. And you go, well, who's lost? Who's lost? Those for whom God is searching for. Those for whom the king of the universe is uncomfortably, frantically, passionately pursuing. And, and you and I may want to say something like this, but look, we're here. Look, look, we're here. Right this is the second service the first service was at 9am so there's more of you than you think and there's and there's tons of us here and and go, but, but 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 why is God ser-? because there are others that I'm looking for and the ones that I'm looking for I look for to even the exclusion of the ones that are here. And if you and I are passionate enough to say that that's true about our keys, could we not say that God is passionate about that with his kids? So that's why we started this series. We started this series because God's looking for his kids. And they're not looking for him. And they're far from him. So now I'm speaking to two types of people, right? I'm, um, I'm speaking to those of you who have profoundly bowed your knee to Christ. You're in Christ. He's your King. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. You can't live without Him. He's your one and only. You love Him. He's the boss. The boss of your soul. The boss of your life. When the, when the, when the question is drink or don't drink, you go, what what would you like for me to do? When the, it's, it's fornicate or don't fornicate, you go, Jesus, what would you like me to do? Steal or don't steal, Jesus, what you would like for me to do? College or no college, what would you like for me to do? What do you want me to do with this kid? When it comes to all the areas of life, we just go to Jesus and He's the boss and we say, okay, so I'm speaking to you. To you, I'm going to be asking you to do some of the most difficult things that you've ever been asked to do, and it sounds so simple, it'll insult your intelligence. But it's one of the hardest things that I can ask you to do. So there's that group of people, but then there's another group of people, and you're here because someone invited you here. Some, you know, maybe it was your spouse and said, you know, hey, come. Or maybe it was that cute girl at work, and she said, hey, come to church. You know, he's like, hey, what are you doing on Sunday? And you were like, yeah, nothing. And he was like, oh, come to church. And he was like, oh, I didn't know that <laughs> you were going to ask me to go to that. But she's cute enough, but she's cute enough so you decided to come, or maybe it's vice versa, right? Maybe it's the guy and the girl and all that stuff. And so, but, but my point is simply this, my point is simply this. Is that if you're here and Jesus is not King, Lord, God, and Savior, if he's just a homeboy that you wink to, I'm not mad at you. If God is something out there, and he's sort of this mystical thing, and you would qualify yourself as spiritual, but not spirit led. If you would qualify yourself as a, as a person who's a God pursuer, but not a Christ follower, then this message too is for you. And the reason that this message is for you is because you get to hear about how passionate God is about you. And you go, but I'm not lost. Look, I'm, I know exactly where I am, but there's, there's a difference. I know this too painfully well. There's a a lost, like driving down the highway, and I don't know where I'm going, and you know, I've done that before, right? Have you ever gone to a new town? Right? And there's lost, like, I don't know where I am. And then there's a different kind of lost. There's a loss, like, like there's something missing from this relationship. Like there's something something gone from this relationship. That kind of lost. So we're not talking about people being lost like they don't know where they are. They know exactly where they are, right? If you're listening to this message, you just look at your feet and you go, oh, look, I'm at 360 Skimmerhorn or driving down the highway, you know, you know, or listening at my computer at work. Stop that. Go back to work and then after work, listen to this uh, message. Um, but wherever you are, we're not talking about that lost. We're talking about lost in relationship. And God is fiercely, passionately looking for those that are lost. So, there's two types of people. One is that you're found. Christ found you. He loved you. He wants you. He bought you to himself. You received it. And there's another group of you who are still searching, still kicking the Christian tires. You wouldn't say Jesus is Lord and God and Savior of all. But he's looking for you as well. Um, we find what we're going to look for in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1-7. through And what we do is we find God's heart about lost things. We find His heart about people who are far from Him and who are not with Him. Now, um, a couple of things that you should know about this passage is that a guy by the name of Paul, the Apostle, the Holy Spirit uses Paul, the Apostle, to write down these words. These words are priceless. Now, the, here's the thing. The, the thing about this talk is that Paul is speaking to people who are the insiders. Do you know what I mean by the insiders? The, the insiders are the people who know every word. Don't, they don't need to the scream. They know every word to every song. The insiders are the ones who... If, if you come in a little bit late, here, here's how you know if you're an insider. If you come a little bit late to this service and someone is sitting in a particular chair that you frequent, you say this to yourself. Why are they sitting in my chair? You know, you're an insider. If you start thinking that way, you know, you might even say, why are they sitting in my section? Right. And so, you know, you have a whole section to yourself, right? You are an insider. And so. The problem is, is that insiders have the propensity. Insiders have the propensity to be cliquish. To be us only. To be, I'm in, I don't need anybody else in. And God says, no, 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 no. God says, I've lost something. I've lost someone. And I've got to find them, right? Right? Nobody would ever say to a parent who's lost their kid at the beach, right? It would be no help. It would be no help if I lost one of my kids at the beach. I got four kids. And he said, well, at least you got these three. (laughs) Like, that would be of no value, right? I might want to drown you, right? Listen, though. God is frantically looking for his kids and some of you are saying but look at these three. I am not interested in helping you find those that are lost. There are people in your lives that you're upset about, angry about, and you won't invite them to church. You won't share with them Jesus. Maybe they're your boss, maybe they're your maybe they're your baby mama's, you know, Baby mama drama or baby dad papa drama. I don't know how that goes, right? Y'all are cooler than me. But like, you know, maybe they're your kids' parents, right? Um, Maybe they're your boss. Maybe they're your cousin. Maybe they're your dad who you never really saw much growing up. Maybe they're your mom. I don't know. But there are people who God is frantically looking for. And you go, but you at least got me. And God is saying, that is no consolation. I'm frantically looking for them. And you won't help me find my kid. And I want you to change your mind about that. I want you to be on mission with what God's on mission for. So let's look at His Word. Now, one of our traditions is that we stand. The reason that we stand is because God's Word is like OMG, right? It's like wow. And so we stand because God is reverent and awesome and wonderful. We're going to read this all together, okay? We're going to read it all together. You're going to do it in a nice loud voice. Why? Because you are in a congregation of people that love God's Word. And for some of you it'll be doing it for the first time and it'll just, it'll pierce you deeply. So let's read God's Word. Let's get deeper into our souls. One, two, three. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful, quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave Himself as a ransom for all men. This testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And the teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. May God bless the hearing and reading of His Word. Please have a seat. So what's happening is, is that the insiders have decided that the only people that should know about God are the insiders. God is saying, I lost somebody and they're saying, yeah, but we're not going to help you look. We're not going to help you look. And so that's what's happening 2,000 years ago and I believe that it still happens today. God knows, listen, God knows that you and I have the propensity to want to just kind of make Christianity a ghetto. You know what I mean when I say Christianity a ghetto? You know what a ghetto is? A ghetto is when uh, people who are the same cluster together. Right? So they, you know, so you call, there's parts of Harlem that you called Spanish Harlem. Why? Because a bunch of Spanish people got together and it's a Spanish ghetto and then there are Jewish ghettos that you would go to in Williamsburg where there's just Jewish uh, people together. right? And then there are There's uh, uh, black uh, neighborhoods that you would say, okay, that's a black ghetto. And then there's, you know, white ghettos. And ghettos are simply, ghettos are simply a place, um, it's going to go in a second, ghettos are simply a place where you hear whistles when um, you're speaking. This could be a ghetto. So ghettos are places where like-minded people congregate together, Right? And it's possible you can be in a Christian ghetto. You can be in a rich person's ghetto. Right? And the thing is, is that these are your people. These are your people and you don't want anybody else to interrupt that. And I just want to, I just want to kind of poke at that. And I want to, I want to mess with you on that. So Paul knows this about them and so he says, I urge or I, I'm pressing upon you then, first of all, that requests Prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for who? Anybody know? Everyone. Everybody. Everybody. Now, this is incredibly important. Because you have to understand that chapter 2 doesn't live in an island by itself. Chapter 2 is directly after chapter 1. And Paul started a thought in chapter 1 that he's continuing forward in chapter 2. And the main thought is that people are teaching heresy. People are going against... People are saying, just the insiders... Just the insiders need to know about God. God is only for these insiders. And those other guys, they don't need to know about God. And I don't want you to get all fanatical and get reaching those. And and, and God says, that is the worst thing I've ever heard. You are not helping me find my kids. And then he says, first of all, this is of first importance. He says this, pray, um, requests. Prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Listen to me. You mean the person who molested me when I was a kid? No, surely you couldn't mean that. You mean the person who said that they would love me forever and didn't last a month? You mean that person? No. I don't know if I can do that. Do you mean... Do you mean The person that I walked down the island, and they said, "Till death do we part," and then they broke my heart. You mean that person? Do you mean, do you mean the 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 person that assaulted my kid? Do Do God, do you mean when you say everyone? Do you really mean everyone? Because I've got some exceptions in that clause. I've got some people that I just. They're the outsiders. They're not the insiders. They don't deserve my prayers. Let me tell you something. I can get you to feed a person. I can get you to share the gospel with a person. I can get you to purchase something for a person. I can get you, I can get you to do all those things far faster than I can get you to pray for those who have hurt you. Pray for those who have wounded you. For some of you, it's even difficult praying for the person you sleep next to because the bitterness has just grown. And it's just... But they don't give me what I want. And, and we don't get along. And when you said everyone, surely you did not mean them now. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. God wants to poke at something... God wants to poke at something in your soul that won't allow you to create your own little Christian ghetto. That won't allow you to be satisfied with us four and no more. That won't allow you to just be okay with just doing church. Dressing in your Christian clothes, eating your Christian cookies, and singing your your Christian songs. Let me tell you something. It says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made known to everyone. That you pray, that you, listen, that you wear out your knees on behalf of someone else. And then, Paul, as if you, know, you weren't sure about what Paul was speaking about, he goes like parenthetically, that's why there's a little dash there. He goes, oh, by the way, it's for verse 2 for kings and all those in authority. So, Republicans, listen to me. You need to pray for Obama. Okay? Are you getting that? We're in Brooklyn and New York, so there are no Republicans here. I get that. And so, Democrats, listen to me. You, be need, you need to pray for George Bush and Mitt Romney. You need. Listen to me. Christians, you need to pray for your boss, because they're in authority, aren't they? You need to pray for your kids' teachers, because they're in authority, aren't they? You need to pray for all of the kings and all those who are in authority. And I, and I know, I know, I know. You go, but you, don't, you haven't met my boss. I know, I haven't met your boss, but I'm telling you what God's word is saying. God's word is saying that all those that are in authority, you need to be praying for. Yeah, but they cut my pay, and then they cheated me, and then they tried to get me fired, or they took credit for the work that I was doing, or they, 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 they cut, uh, you know, they cut my salary, or they they, 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 they gave somebody else my position, or they gave the. Uh, yeah, but if you if you met my mother, I wouldn't you wouldn't ask me to pray for her. If you met my papa, you wouldn't ask me to pray. No, but they're in authority, aren't they? See, it's stuff like that that makes me want to take this Bible and just throw it across the room. Isn't it true? Makes you just want to go. Okay, for real. I don't know if I want I want to do that. I I don't know that I have the fortitude. And the good news is that you don't have to, because of what we're gonna read just a little bit further down. But I do want you to know that there are tons of stuff that we could argue about the Bible, right? There are tons of stuff that we're not clear on, but there's a ton of stuff that we're pretty clear on. That's pretty obvious. And here it is. Pray for everyone. Even those who are in authority, even mom, even dad, even boss, even president, even senator, even teacher, they all need our prayers. You know why they need our prayers? Because God is looking for them. God is looking for them. And God is going to use your prayers. How cool is that? How cool is that? Think about this for a second. God created the heavens and the earth. Alright, do you know that the heavens and the earth is kind of awesome? Has that ever occurred to you? Right? I know like here in Brooklyn and New York, we only have like six stars. But you go out of the city and all of a sudden, they're everywhere, right? Right? It's amazing. I had to go outside of New York to know that there were more than seven stars, right? And so I, I, saw, I was like, wow, this is really awesome. This is what the Bible means when it says the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Because the six stars in Brooklyn don't declare much glory. It's just like real black and little points, right? And so, but watch this. This is really important. Listen. If the God of the universe that created the heavens and the earth with a word, think about that for a second, with a word, why on earth would he need your help to change someone's heart? Good night. You think he can do some things without you? Yeah, maybe one or two. Listen to me. Listen to me. Because God wants you, like everybody, who, listen, if you love someone, you want them to be about your mission. You want, if you love someone, you want them to be down with you. If you have you ever... Met somebody who like either liked ice cream or liked a particular restaurant that didn't want to share it with you. He always, it's the natural inclination of the heart. And and that's a godly thing that God put inside of you. And God says, I have a mission. It's those lost folks. Wanna come? Wanna come? You're like, yeah, what do I do? Pray. Start by praying. Yeah, but, but God, I, I, I want to do something else. I want to hand out a flyer. I want to do a trek. Yeah, that's great. We'll teach you how to do that next week. But listen to me. Right now, I just want you to pray. Yeah, but God, I'm ready to do something else. I'll read the whole Bible. I'll, I'll debate other people. I'll do other... No, 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 listen. Would you just... Shh, would you just pray? Would you lift up your voice for someone other than yourself? Would you pray? For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. In other words, what God is saying is that Christians ought to, to the world, represent Christ. And that if others get offended about God's word, that's up to them. But it's not because of our character that they get offended. Have you ever met a Christian who you're just embarrassed uh, to be on their same team? Have you ever, anybody here ever seen that? Maybe on TV or any, have you ever? One or two people, right? There's just a few of them. Let me ask you something. Is anybody thinking of you when I ask that question? Right? Is anybody going, is anybody going, oh my God, and you call yourself a Christian? That can't be true. Right? Is anybody, and maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your dad, maybe it's your kid, maybe it's your, like, I don't know. But, so the Bible is teaching us in this verse that we're to live. Peaceful lives. Not that we're to avoid conflict, because conflict has to happen. Not that we're to avoid um, pushing forward, but doing, doing what God has called us to do. And being submissive and humble and surrendered and willing to suffer for the cause of Christ in other lives. Verse 3. This is good and pleases God our Savior. You know, that should be enough. In other words, why do we do it? Because our Papa really likes it. You, and, and Listen, every kid wants this for their, for their parents. If you're three years old, has any, have you ever uh, had a three-year-old around you or anything like that? I have four kids, so I know this really well. So when my kids are around three years old, I go to my kids at three years old, I go, I'm going to wash the dishes. Who wants to help me? And they'll wrestle on the floor to help me wash the dishes. They're like... I went me, I put my hand up first. They're like right ask that same kid at thirteen who wants to help me wash the dishes and all of a sudden you don't get that response. Let, let, let me share something with you. Here, here's let me tell you. Some of you act like 13 year old Christians. Don't do that. Be three year old Christians. You you understand what I'm saying? Be be childlike in your response to your heavenly papa. That when he says, looking for the lost, who wants to go with me? I, I want to go. I want to look for the lost. Well, what should I do? Pray. Pray. Lift up your voice in prayer. Pray. Even for those who have hurt you. Even for those who have broken your heart. Even for those who have treated you unfairly. Even those who deserve what they got. Pray. Yeah, mm-hmm. them. The ones that you're thinking about. Pray. Pray. But they'll never bow their knee to Jesus. That's not your job. That's Jesus' job. Your job is to pray. Are you thinking of people? Are there thoughts in your mind? Is there a person that you need to be praying for so that they would know Jesus? Would you do me a favor? Would you just start writing their names down? You have a, a bulletin, and inside your bulletin is called what we, what we call a sermon map. And it has the scriptures and it has a few lines. What I want you to do is just write down the names of the people who don't know Jesus, who are far from God, who need you to write their names down. Now, that's all I'm asking you to do. Now, Honestly, at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to start praying for them. But right for right now, just write it down. Let's keep on moving. Uh, verse three and four says, "This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth." Oh man, I could spend all day on this one verse and four. Who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? Listen, do you know that truth is exclusive? Do you know that truth is exclusive? Does that make sense? In other words, have you ever taken a test, right, and it's like, you know, 2 plus 2 equals, if you put down 5 or you put down 6 trillion, you're still just as wrong on that test, right? Because there's only one answer. Anybody know how much 2 plus 2 is? Anybody? 4. Good class. All right, now watch, at least some of you. Okay, so 2 plus 2 is 4, and that's to the exclusion of every other number, in the world. Watch this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. How offensive is that? And that's the exclusion of everything else. And you go, that's so narrow! You go, that's so close-minded! You go, that's not fair! Well, listen, listen, let's just think about this for a second. Jesus offers this to everyone. Rich, poor, ugly, pretty, in shape, out of shape, American, other, um, English speaker, other speaker. Jesus offers it tall, short, you just figure it out. Jesus offers it to everyone. Everyone gets in the same way. That means if you're really, really good or you're really, really bad, the only way to get in is the cross. You know everybody's on equal playing field. So Jesus offers it to everyone. Everyone gets in the same way, and he loves every, and he gives everyone an opportunity. So think about this. What could be fairer than that? I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I'm saying, what could be more beautiful and receiving than that? He offers it to everyone, everyone gets in the same way. It's not a caste system. What would be better than that? Jesus is offering it to everyone. He wants everyone to know the knowledge of the truth because you'll be better off. Verse 5 and 6. I wish I could have more time to spend on that. Verse 5 and 6 we're going to talk about at the end of the talk, at the end of today's Um, Sermon. for there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all men the testimony given in its proper time now let's look at verse 7 and for this purpose I want you to see this this is wild and for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle I am telling the truth I am am not lying and the teacher of the truth of the uh, uh, true faith to the Gentiles now here's the thing This is really weird, right? Paul interrupts his statement with what I think is a silly, unnecessary thing. Everybody know who Paul is, right? Paul is one of the authors of the New Testament. He wrote this letter and a few other letters. He's one of the most influential men in the history of the world. Top ten most influential guys in the history of the world. Paul. Easy. Easy. Probably top five. Right? Paul, whom... If he said anything, you would believe him because he has such high level of integrity and character. Paul has to say something in the middle here. He goes, I am telling the truth. I am not lying. Now, rule of thumb, if somebody says, I'm telling the truth, I am not lying, it's because they're usually lying, right? That's, the, that, that's how you know, right? He goes, no, I'm not. Like your kid starts going, no, I'm not lying. You just go, okay, now I really know the truth. Because... Because usually people don't, like normal people don't say that, right? But you know, there's another reason why you would say that. The reason is, is because these people have only the insiders in mind and they're antagonistic towards the outsiders. They don't want anybody else to know about Jesus. And Paul, Paul, really, this is his thought. Look at, look at this thought. You see these two dashes? This means that this is a parenthetical thought. That means that Paul has to say this on the, on the side. Does that make sense? Right, that's a grammatical thing, okay, right? And so, this is what really Paul is saying. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. That's what Paul is saying. But they're so against the outsiders getting this incredible gospel. Where's the gospel? Uh, I am uh, I'm telling you the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the true faith. This true faith that he has to tell them, I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. Listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. The people who have harmed you the most need your prayers. The people who, have, who are far from you, the people who will never receive Christ, in your estimation, you go, there's no way that Johnny will ever receive Christ. He's totally anti- The people who make fun of you whenever you bring up Jesus, the people who harm you or talk bad behind your back, they all, I am not lying. I am telling you the truth. God has given you to them. He's given you to them. He's given you to them because he's looking for that which is lost. Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot was a missionary. Anybody here ever heard of Jim Elliot? If you've ever heard of Jim Elliot, right, there's like a handful of y'all. Right, maybe two or three of you. Jim Elliot was a missionary to Ecuador um, in the late 40s and early 50s. Um, He Got burdened by this message that other people, the outsiders, need to to hear this message of Jesus Christ, and so he went about as far outside as you can possibly go. He went to the, he went to Ecuador, in this tribe that had never experienced outside contact. The Uka Indians. Now, they called them Uka Indians because they were, uh, but that's, prob- that's not their real, um, they're like the Wadani, I think that there's, was their actual name, but they originally called them the Uka Indians. The Americans did, I'm saying. The Wadani. Well, what they did was him and a bunch of his friends got burdened by Christ, brought their wives, lived in huts, came over, and tried to love them well. And he pursued them and he loved them and he tried to, you know, befriend them, to share the gospel with them. He even took one of them on Nate Saint's plane, right? Um, and he took him on a trip, because, I mean, they didn't, imagine that, flying. Never even having heard of electricity, could you imagine, flying. These guys are naked, they're, you know, they live out in the, the wild. His wife, Elizabeth Elliot, was with him, and his buddies, and they all went, well, uh, Jim Elliot, um, in January 8th, 1956, was speared to death by the very people that uh, he was supposed to share the gospel with. Some of the, the ten uh, tribes members of the Wadani came back and told a lie that they said that the Americans are here to hurt us or the foreigners are here to hurt us. And that lie Went around the entire camp, and they all attacked like four or five men lost their lives. It, it actually um, was such a shocking thing that the Life magazine did like a 10 page article on it at the time. That's how shocking it was. It was like heard around the world. That's pretty extraordinary, but the reason that I tell you this is because Jim Elliot was passionate about the Wadani. He wanted them to know Jesus. He wanted them to know Jesus so much. Interestingly enough, they had guns, shotguns. They all did. But they didn't use them. And they wrote, we know this because they wrote this in their diary before they left. Even though we go with uh, guns, we know we'll never use them. You know why? Because if we die, we know where we'll go. And we want them to know Christ. And so they didn't use the power that they had. They didn't use the guns that they had, and they allowed these men to spear them to death. In pictures, you could still find on the internet. They're pretty gruesome. The story doesn't end there. His wife, Elizabeth Elliot, Elizabeth Elliot decided that Jim's purpose was going to be her purpose. And she took the next few years to start creating a written language for these people. is that amazing? The very people who had murdered her husband was the very people that she was trying to reach for Christ. Long story short, every one of them gave their hearts to Christ. This woman was able to translate the New Testament into their language, share Jesus. She even brought her daughter to live with them for years in the camp, so that her daughter could play with their children. And listen to me. Because she she was living for a purpose that was more noble than her own. It was precious. Listen to me. Come close. You have a father in heaven who has a purpose that's greater than just your pleasure, than just what you want than just what you feel comfortable with. He has a purpose that's bigger than you. And he's saying, and listen to me, listen to me. He's saying, you got to help me look. you got to help me find these people. you got to help me pursue these people. And here's how I want you to do it. I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray for them. Who in your family? Who among your friends? Who in your workplace? Who? Who in your life? need to hear the life-changing, gospel, gospel-lifting gospel story of Jesus Christ. Who? Listen. Don't you, don't you be like those people who go, no, nah, I'm not going to help you look. Don't you be like that. I want you to, I want you to agree that I'm going to pray. So who are they? Do you have their names? Are they in your head? Are they written down? Okay, now, listen, I'm going to ask you in a couple of seconds to do something incredibly uncomfortable, okay? It's going to happen in a few seconds, so I just want you to kind of get ready for it. You know what I'm going to ask you to do? Are you ready? I'm going to ask you to do what the Bible is saying. In a couple of seconds, I'm going to ask you to get with people either around you, I don't care what you do, turn your chair around, you know, connect with the people around you, And I want you to pray. I want you to tell them the names of the people. You know what? So and so. You know what? At my job. He doesn't deserve... I just don't like him. I'm angry with... You know what? My father. My sister. My child. My brother. My cousin. my People who are close to you or people who are far from you. But the names that God brings to your mind... I want you to pray for their salvation. I want you to pray that they know Jesus. That's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you that in a few seconds. If you think that that's too much, I, just, I want to bring this home in as emotional way as I, I can. I, was trying to, I didn't do this well in the first service. I'm, I'm asking God to give me grace to do it well in this one. Um, years ago, there was a woman who, and I can't remember her name, um, but you'll remember the story. She allowed her daughter to go on like a, a trip to one of the islands and the daughter never came back home. The daughter, do you remember the story? Right? The daughter, it was like in all the newspapers, it was like, you know, the mother, right? And so the mother goes out and she, um, you know, or rather the child goes out. Now the child finds herself in bars with promiscuous behavior, getting drunk, acting the fool, being ridiculous. The, the girl goes missing. The child goes missing. After a little while, the mother can't take... She knocks on judge's door, the president's door. She gets news organizations over. She moves there and starts to pursue her kids. Listen to this. Listen. She... There's nothing that she will not do To pursue them. There's no door she won't knock. There's no place she won't, there's no person she won't confront. She will go at any lengths. And if you told her, but did you know that your daughter was sinning? Did you know that your daughter, she was like, I I don't care. Listen, I've got three daughters. I've got three daughters. And if I don't care if my daughters were smoking crack, and 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 dancing on top of bar tables. I don't care if they sold their bodies to whoever would come by. I don't care if they attracted AIDS. I don't care if they shot up heroin. I don't care. They're my babies. I've got to find them, and you've got to help me find them. But listen, 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 listen. There's a father in heaven whose babies he's looking for and who have harmed you or maybe harmed others who are smoking crack or acting the fool, who are going in the wrong direction and who are saying, would you help me find my kids? Would you help me find my kids? And you say, I don't care. I'd rather get drunk and just have fun. I'd rather I'd rather be about my own business. I'd rather just go to church and sit in my little pew and sit in my little chair. I'd rather be about my own business. God, would you bless me? Would you give me more money? Would you get me more clothes? Would you help me to pay the bills? Would you help me? And not care anything about the very people that he sent his son to die. Your colleges are desperate for you to share, Jesus. Your workplaces are desperate for you To share Jesus. Your homes are desperate for you to share Jesus. Your environments are desperate for you. Your networks are desperate for you to share Jesus. They're calling out for a hope that they don't know the name of, that you have the answer to, but you're not saying so. I want you to open your mouth eventually. But for this week, all I want you to do is be burdened. I want you to pray. That's all I want you to do. This week, cousin, sister, aunt, friend, brother, I don't care. I want you to start praying for them that they would have the joy of the gospel. Now, here's what I want you to do. We're going to take a few minutes, very few minutes. The musicians are going to come up. This is not an opportunity for you to leave. This is an opportunity for you to pray. So when I say, turn to someone and pray, and you hear, oh, go home now, grab your things and leave, I want you to resist that. I want you to turn, I really mean, turn to someone else. I don't care if it's five of you get together, if two of you, but more than one of you. I want more than one of you to get together and start praying for the person that you've been thinking about and that you're going to be praying for all week. Would you do that? Is that too much to ask? Yeah, that's maybe too much? I'm, I'm, I'm setting the bar too high, maybe? No? Okay. Start praying. Start praying.